Um, so welcome to everyone. I'm, I'm just thrilled to see you all here. Lots of people here, which is great. Um, my name is Sue Butler. A little bit about myself. I'm not famous. Um, some of you know me. Um, I have spent 24 years overseas involved in cross-cultural ministry in the Middle East. Um, trying to be very on incognito. Um, we were supported by our home church and involved um, with helping people who came to faith to figure out what that would look like in their country and supporting them through the difficulties that they faced there as well. Um, my children were both born overseas and they came back to the UK before me. Um, my husband and I came back in 2016. I have been very enriched by my life in the Middle East and um, learned a lot about relationships and hospitality um, from my many Middle Eastern friends. Um, and I, I think I'm at least half Middle Eastern now, which is wonderful. Um, and I'm an Arabic speaker. So when we came back to Britain, I wasn't really sure. I'd, I felt I'd lived a whole life. Um, leaving when I was 25 and coming back when I was 50, I felt I'd almost had a whole life overseas. Um, and I was surprised when God opened the door for me when I came back. Um, sometimes when you've lived overseas, you're not really employable anymore. Um, but I was surprised um, to be employed by a, a major UK charity and got involved with welcoming Syrians. And I worked in Reading and the Thames area, um, working with the Syrian resettlement um, alongside Reading Council. And then I met Karina Martin, who founded um, Welcome Churches along with Emily Holden. And that was the beginning of my Welcome Churches um, history. So I joined in 2018 when we became a national charity. So the vision of Welcome Churches is for no refugee arriving in the UK to be alone. So no refugee alone. You'll see that on all of our slides. And we want every refugee to be welcomed by their church, their local church here in the UK. So today, it's a bit of a, a gallop in this hour, but I will be covering a little bit about Welcome Churches and, and our values in the hope to impart them to you and envision you for your churches as well. I'm going to give a little bit of background to refugees and asylum seekers arriving in the UK. Might be useful for you as church leaders. I know some of you already know a lot on that subject and for some of you it might be something new. And so hopefully that will be something helpful to take away with you. I will talk a little bit about the challenges, um, some of them positive challenges and some of the challenges that, that we face when we're looking at our churches and the different um, understandings that, that we have about um, seeking asylum here in the UK and, and how to learn about that. And lastly, we will be talking about how you can join in and what we can do for you as Welcome Churches to help you as churches and as church leaders um, to perhaps start for the first time um, in looking at well, what would that look like for me in my location or perhaps growing something that you're already doing or perhaps joining in with us because you're already doing a really good job. And um, there's all sorts of in-betweens there as well. So hopefully this will be helpful um, for you all in those different ways. So in terms of welcome churches, um, I'm assuming my slides are wonderfully coming up behind me. That's great. Um, our main areas of work are we inspire, um, equip, and resource churches. So we are here to serve you as churches. So if you're a church leader thinking, yikes, is this more that I need to do myself? Um, be encouraged because we 
uh, we very much come alongside churches. We have a great team um, of people and experience, a lot of diversity on our team and a lot of experience in working with refugees. So we do a lot of training. Um, a lot of our week is taken up either talking on the phone with churches or actually um, presenting training in different ways. A lot of it is free. Um, at the moment, we're doing Ukraine welcomer training. So anyone can join in with that, um, thinking through good practice, thinking through what's ahead with welcoming um, Ukrainians in your locality. Perhaps there are people in your congregation who are signed up to the Homes for Ukraine and you're thinking as a church leader, where is this going? I know um, a couple of weeks ago, my church leader called me and was like, Sue, everyone's WhatsApping me. Everyone's calling me. What are we doing? We need to think about it. We need to like work together as a church. Who's, who's hosting? I don't even know who's, who's signed up for the hosting. So these kinds of things, help is here and um, do get in touch with us and we'd love to support you in these kinds of things as well. Um, we have a lot of online resources. So um, a lot of our training is online and you can access it at a time that you want to. Um, there are things like um, videos on trauma awareness in refugees or looking after ourselves when we're supporting refugees. Um, we are currently editing um, two videos that we recorded with uh, a Christian immigration lawyer talking about what you should know as churches if you're helping asylum seekers. Um, what do you need to know? What can you do as a church that's helpful and loving? And what shouldn't you be doing as a church um, in terms of someone's asylum case? So some quite practical, very useful training. We have other things like um, you can download a resource thinking through baptism as a church. So if you have asylum seekers wanting to be baptized, what things should you be thinking through as a church that will be helpful for you as a church and helpful for the people um, that you're welcoming and, and listening? Listening to in those ways and those are things that you can adapt for your own church so um, lots of other training as well um, love you to come and talk to us about that um, our team as I said is great we have about I think we've added up over 50 years of overseas cross-cultural work experience between the team so I'm not the only one who's lived overseas um, and I, we speak, I think, 11 different languages between the team. So we have a lot of resource, including um, Ali, who's here today. And we have others um, from other countries and speak other languages um, that refugees um, are speaking and can really um, help churches and visit you and get involved and, and help you in very um, practical ways um, in the different languages that people speak as well. And Ali has had a lot of work supporting um, Afghans who are housed in hotels still at the moment. And he's been able to go on site and chat with churches and chat with the people being hosted in the hotels as well. So we have a lot of that kind of experience. We also produce multilingual resources. It sounds like a shopping list at the moment, isn't it? We do have multilingual resources and multilingual websites. Not all of it is obvious when you first come to our welcomechurches.org website. So that's all the training side of things and the equipping. We also have a welcome network. We have around 916 or more churches in that network all over the UK, different denominations. There are um, 25 vineyard churches in the network, which is great. And someone told me this morning they just signed up yesterday, so maybe 26 um, by now. We would love you all to join. Um, it means that you are findable for people who are looking to refer refugees and asylum seekers to get support locally, sometimes specifically to a church, 
sometimes for practical and other support. I had a text from someone this morning saying, I have a friend, he's in Cardiff, do you think you could refer him somewhere? So um, there is Cardiff Vineyard actually in our network, so that's where I'm going to refer. Oh, hi. <laughs> Great. Oh, well, you're going to recognise someone on the video later on. So um, that's really good. And then that um, network also operates uh, as, as this online referral system. And then when you're part of the network, you can sign in and get um, access to all these resources that I've been talking about. So we also have specific focus projects. Normally, we don't single out certain nationalities and say, this is what this nationality is like, this is how to welcome them. We encourage you to grow in your cultural awareness. But many of you will know that we have had some specific projects starting the beginning of last year, welcoming people coming here from Hong Kong. Not technically refugees, they are relocatees. Um, but many um, Hong Kongers have come into UK churches and we've heard some great stories of churches saying, wow, this has revived our youth group or we now have a Sunday school again or we've been so blessed with welcoming people from a different culture and this is great, we want to do this more. And so that's been a great encouragement and really grew our network a lot um, last year. Um, Afghan welcome, so our response to Afghans... Um, emergency evacuations, bringing them here in August of last year. Um, as I said, Ali was very involved in that. And we have churches in about 41 of the hotels. There's currently still around 10,000 Afghans in bridging hotels and a lot of churches still involved on a weekly basis, caring for them, running groups, running classes, and really being the first Christians that they're meeting which is very significant. And a lot of them are then saying, oh, can I have, is there another Andy when, where I'm moving to? Is, is there another Marion where I'm moving to? And we've been able to say, yes, we can find people for you in a church where you're moving to. Um, my my favourite story of last year is actually Ali's story. Um, but we were in the office together and we heard of an Afghan family moving from um, northwest London up to northwest Scotland, Inverness type kind of Scotland on the west coast. And um, so Ali and I were in the office together and started Googling this little village and looking for a church there. And, and we found a couple of churches and we looked at one. It had this beautiful picture of all these smiling faces. And we said, oh, that's great. Let's, let's try that one first. And so Ali gave them a call and they said, can't believe this phone call. Yesterday, we had our Bible study. And we, after it, we were saying, what can we do? We're just a little village on the coast in Scotland. How can we join in with welcoming or helping the Afghans that are coming? It was an amazing morning in the office. And Ali was able to say, there's a family coming your way. And they were thrilled and they loved and cared for that family. That family's now moved and we're able to refer them through our network. But the pastor there said, we are friends for life now. And after a few weeks, he phoned up and he said, we've done this for them, we've done that for them, and now they're asking questions about faith and we're having little conversations about that too. So really thrilling. Um, so sometimes you're just the first person to welcome someone and they get moved somewhere else and that's fantastic to have been that person or that church or that, that church community. Um, Ukraine, obviously in the news, and I will, we will be taking questions towards the end if you have specific questions about um, these things. But I think on top of Hong Kongers coming and people from Afghanistan coming, people coming for Ukraine has been, it's potentially the third mass migration to the UK, actually, in the last 12 to 15 months. 
Um, and I think the fact perhaps that they're European, perhaps the fact that um, the news has been very personal. There have been a lot of um, interviews in English, which we haven't had before in some similar situations. And I think post-COVID, a lot of people have wanted to do something practical. And I think it's been fantastic, quite unique opportunity for people um, to host Ukrainians. And that's really good for us as a church as well. There's that opportunity for us in different ways with different people and all the other nationalities who are arriving. But I think sometimes people groups coming in mass groups, it just gives us a bit of a push and um, helps us think as churches, um, what are we going to do and how, how does this fit with everything else that we already do? We have spoken with many um, church leaders as well over the last little while and um, yeah, happy to speak with you about the way forward and especially to think what are the pathways into our church community for those that are arriving. So we encourage you not to think what are we going to do for refugee work? What, what's, what's our refugee project going to be? We encourage you to see people as people it's true that people might have special needs, certain needs. They might come from very difficult situations. You might want to learn a bit more about trauma. Um, you might want to learn a little bit more about other cultures. But how is this part of everything that your church is already doing? And what are the pathways that might perhaps already be there for people coming outside of your church community into your church? And perhaps they need adapting a little bit, or perhaps you just need to think, oh, do you know, that group would be great. Um, for other people to join. It doesn't just have to be like this. So again, not, not to say what's the new refugee work going to be, but how, how does this fit with all that we're doing and all that God is calling us to? And, and how, how can we just grow a bit in our understanding in order to make sure that we're specifically welcoming people who are coming here as refugees and seeking asylum? So we have six principles um, in terms of welcoming and the foundations of welcoming those seeking asylum. So I put them here to share with you in the hopes this will inspire you as well in your churches, and I'm sure um, you're on board with these. One of them is welcome. So we are called to love and welcome strangers, whatever their cultural background. So we think every church has um, the opportunity to join in in some way or another. Building community. Obviously, churches are ready-made communities. Um, we are already providing care to people. We already have ways of reaching out to people, people who are vulnerable and have um, challenges in different areas of life, and people who have lost homes or people who've lost family or people who are going through difficulties. That is something we already do. So that's really encouraging for us. In terms of religious freedom, we believe that refugees arriving in the UK should have the right to explore um, faith without fear of intimidation or persecution. So we want you as churches to be well equipped to do that and, and to take your place in, in that as well. Um, empowerment um, speaks a lot about what happens to someone um, when they're forced to leave their country. They're often very disempowered um, by the very events that have happened in their lives and um, forcing them to, to make decisions that they never thought they would have to make in terms of leaving their country. So we want to be part of restoring that choice and that power in people's lives. And we also want people who come here as refugees to grow in their gifting. 
when people come to Christ or if they're already Christians, we want them to grow in their gifting. We want them um, to contribute in the churches and not just, again, as I said, not to be kept as a project, but to be welcomed and for despite cultural and language difficulties for us. I liked um, that I was in the last seminar talking for us to look with Holy Spirit eyes and to see the people that we're welcoming, not to have labels on them, but to see the things that might be hidden when you first meet them, but the things that will again re-emerge as they establish their lives here. Relationship, we value relationships as, um, as welcome churches, and we like to partner. We do partner with um, church networks and denominations and other organizations. We, we work um, with people like the Red Cross and, and Migrant Help, trying to restore confidence for them to refer people through um, to churches. Um, I spoke to someone yesterday in London City Mission who was talking about the number of hotels um, in their particular area in London and saying, how can churches in the Welcome Churches Network, how can they minister in these hotels where asylum seekers are being housed? So we very much like to work with other organisations and, and really see what God is doing and join in with that. So we want refugees to thrive in the UK. So thriving, not just surviving. Um, and so that people can rebuild their lives here. And that will involve a lot of practical help from us. So there's, there's different kinds of way that we help. And sometimes it's just taking someone to the park, registering them at a GP, helping them fill out some paperwork, helping them understand the education system here. We're also passionate about refugees following Jesus. So as I said, some refugees might already be Christians. They might be from a Christian background. They may or may not have heard the gospel before. And for many refugees, coming here to the UK might be the first opportunity they've had to explore faith and to, to continue a faith journey that sometimes has even started in their home country or in their journey here to the UK. So we, we want to be the churches that can provide that opportunity for them. Also, refugees becoming fully involved in UK churches. It's about the third time I've said it, but not keeping them as a project, seeing them as people, seeing them as people who are coming in to the church from outside as we do for other people. We have a lot to learn from them and um, we will be enriched as we welcome them. So it's about time for a video. The Cardiff guys on the back seat might welcome, um, might uh, recognise the person in the video here. Um, so two or three minutes and we're going to hear from Omid, who was welcomed by Cardiff Vineyard. At the first, uh, I thought, so, all the religion is same. Just the name is different. But uh, after that, I feel some connection with something. On that moment, I didn't know what is that. That thing uh, changed everything for me, you know? My life was changed on that moment. I had to leave my country. And yeah, I leave my country without any say goodbye to my family, even say goodbye to my daughter or my wife. Just in one moment when I was at the way to come back from my office to home. All your life, all your family, you know, your family, your dad, your mom, wife, 
your children and all of things which you did your best for achieve them you know you have a good house you have a good car you have a good job good family but just in a one second you have to uh, just leave it and go and I think the worst things about this situation is you don't know it's a right decision or wrong because uh, on that time you don't know uh, about the future you know everything's become dark for you yeah I leave my country and I was at uh, journey about the three months at the first uh, I, I didn't any plan to came to coming to UK you know uh, I just looking for somewhere some safe place that was a bit of a quick end we've got part two a little bit later on um, what phrase or sentence struck you in that. I was struck by the fact he said, I didn't know if it was a right or wrong decision. Um, that's really, really stuck with me, actually. And I wondered, um, what situation would lead you to consider leaving your country? Because I've got Ali with me and we're being a bit techie, we're going to do a little poll just for a moment. If you go to slido.com, on your phone, or you can sit next to someone and share their phone, and put in 530571, and please tell me two or three things that would be reasons that you might leave your country. You can also use the QR code. Isn't that a bit clever? So. Um, Great. So the more people have um, written each word, the larger it becomes. So obviously war is there in, in the centre, religious persecution, um, fear of being killed, lack of opportunities, a job elsewhere, safety, escaping, environmental destruction, fearing for my life, a chance to work abroad, being threatened, a calling a civil war, lots of good ideas there. Thank you, you've, you've covered lots of areas, um, reasons why people would um, feel they have no other choice but to leave their home country. What I'd like to do is just um, talk for a few moments about um, asylum seekers and refugees, just for those of you that would like a little bit more background um, to that. So thank you for voting. I'm sorry if you're still trying to do it. Um, just trying to fit everything into an hour here. Can I have the next slide, Ali, please? Hey, taking a picture of me. Thank you. That's great. <laughs> so um, we hear lots of terminology in the news, and it's good for us to understand the differences. So an asylum seeker, here in the UK, an asylum seeker is someone who has fled their country of origin, arrived in another country, made themselves known to the authorities and exercised their right to apply for asylum. A refugee is someone 
whose asylum application has been successful and has been allowed to stay here um, for us in the UK. They're allowed to stay here in this country. Great. So there are two main ways in which you can arrive here. One is through resettlement or relocation programs. So the important thing to remember on a resettlement or relocation program is that refugee status is given to people on entry to the UK. So we're on the chart here, we're on the top line. Um, many of you will have heard about the Syrian Vulnerable Persons Resettlement Scheme. So people on that scheme had to be outside of their home country, accepted on the scheme, and then they were brought as families by plane here to the UK. At the beginning of 2021, the UK started receiving people from Hong Kong. That was a type of resettlement scheme. It was a relocation scheme. And they came in on the British, National, British Nationals Overseas visa, which gave them the right to work here and to live here, but not the right to claim benefits. Technically not refugees, but yes, seeking safety here. And then in August last year was the Afghan Relocation and Assistance Policy, the Arab Scheme, and that, in, that allowed Afghans who worked for the British Army or the British Embassy um, on all different levels and types of jobs to be able to relocate here. And those are the ones that um, were housed initially in hotels and where many of them, around 10,000, are still waiting um, for accommodation and still living in hotels. There is also um, an Afghan citizen's resettlement scheme, which is like the Syrian scheme. Um, they're going to take 5,000 in the first year, and they want to bring a total of 20,000. Most of that first 5,000 have been allocated by people moving out of the hotels. So they haven't really been bringing people in on that scheme as yet, because they're still trying to um, house the people that they initially brought um, in that initial evacuation in August and September. And then the, the Ukrainian, the family scheme, so joining a family member here in the UK, and the Homes for Ukraine scheme. There's been a lot in the press about um, the length of time to get visas and all sorts of other complicated elements with that. I looked as of last week, 15,000 people have come on the family scheme and 6,600 on the Homes for Ukraine scheme. So as, as more people come on, this will most likely be the third largest migration to the UK. So God is shaking up the church. There is a challenge before us. I went a long way to meet people from another country and, and work there. But he is bringing all these nations um, here to the UK and he's placing people in front of us as the church that we would not normally be able to meet. And I think that's really thrilling and challenging as well. And it is, you know, mission used to be for missionaries. Now the world is coming here and we're being challenged in our churches. We, we haven't necessarily had cross-cultural experience. We weren't prepared for this. And here it is. And people, perhaps one day um, you, you're welcoming someone from Iran and next week he brings 10 friends. And, and you're there as a church thinking, this is amazing. And what do we do next? <laughs> um, so a lot, a big challenge. Um, for us. And um, sometimes people stay for a relatively short time and sometimes um, people make the UK their home. The asylum route is on the bottom of the slide there. And the thing um, about coming via the asylum route is that you can only apply for refugee status if you're here in the UK. 
you can't apply for it anywhere else unless you're on one of these resettlement schemes. So everyone has a right to claim asylum in the UK. We've signed up to the 1951 Refugees Convention, which says, there is a slide for it, but the short version is, any person with a well-founded fear of persecution for reasons such as race, religion, membership of a social group or political opinion can avail themselves of the protection of another country. So it's not illegal to claim asylum here, contrary to what the news tells us. But you need to be physically present in the UK to do that. And there is the challenge for people. Interestingly, the 1951 Refugee Convention recognises the fact that people may have to use irregular or unconventional routes to escape and claim asylum in another country, which is something that isn't mentioned very often either. Um, so refugees have to make their own way to, to here to the UK in order to claim asylum if they're not on a resettlement type scheme. They're not normally allowed to work and they're normally given around £40 per person per week for all of their expenses. So the process for claiming asylum is very lengthy and very complex. And for those of us already supporting people in that way, we'll know it's hugely complicated. And sometimes a challenge for us as a church to know how do we help, how do we come alongside people, what's our role and what isn't our role as well. I think as churches, I was thinking... Um, about the challenges for you as churches and as church leaders especially. It's like magic, my slides just keep coming out. It's wonderful, thank you. Um, I've, I've got three Ps, I couldn't resist it. Um, so one is in terms of looking at our congregations. Um, as a church, we don't always understand, perhaps you all have come here today, but our, people in our churches don't always know everything there is to know about refugees and seeking asylum. So sometimes um, there are political reasons that people are like, oh, not sure, not sure about this. Um, didn't we just do Brexit? Or um, shouldn't we be kind of protecting our borders? Um, or what about the, all those boats arriving every day? And these are things that we do need to challenge and speak into as church leaders. The thing about protection, protecting school places, protecting how long we wait at the GP. Aren't, aren't we already overcrowded in Britain? What about us protecting our own lifestyle? These kinds of things. And so we need to speak into those things as leaders. Programs. We, I heard of something about programs in the previous session. We all love a good program, or churches love programs. But sometimes there's a lot going on, and we're thinking, goodness me, can we, we're already doing all of this. How can we also um, meet the needs of refugees and asylum seekers in our area? And then in the midst of these challenges, there is the person in front of you. One of my favourite books lately has been this one, Mission as Hospitality. And I have this lovely quote from it, which I will share with you. Hospitality is the act or process whereby the identity of the stranger is transformed into that of a guest. Strangers are those who are disconnected from basic relationships that give persons a secure place in this world. When we offer hospitality to strangers, we welcome them into a place to which we are somehow connected a safe, personal and comfortable space, a place of respect and acceptance and friendship. Making room for others can be inconvenient and costly, and we risk being taken advantage of when we invite others into our space. Yet God calls his people 
to make room for others. That's a big challenge to me. Let's listen again um, to Omid and hear about the role of his church in his life. So, uh, yeah, and I find my church and even on that time uh, all the church was closed, we made a very good uh, Zoom meeting and yeah, we had the Alpha course and just after a while I became one of the one of the helper in that group to translate for other ones and to sort something in a group. Uh, I didn't miss any the, uh, any class. So yeah, I involved in other programs and other programs with Welcome Church, with uh, Vineyard Church. And after a while, I decided to uh, do my responsibility, so I start to evangelize other ones. And I evangelize many people, but <laughs> um, just five of them became Christian. And maybe one of the big reasons we can't move to another city because we have a very good friends here and we have a very good community here. Our church, um, it's not just for Sunday service, you know, we, we have a um, relation more than this. And every day we talk to each other, every week we see each other. Uh, it's very good thing, yeah. There's lots more to that story too, and um, hooray for Cardiff Vineyard. <laughs> um, yes, favourite quotes from that bit of video. I know, that's my favourite line. I, I evangelised others, but only five of them um, came to know Christ. That's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? Um, and, I, and I like the bit he says about our church is not for Sundays. Um, I really like that, and that's a great testimony. Um, to a church and to, to what he's found there in church. So it is a challenge for us as church leaders to present the biblical mandate to congregations and to inspire a kingdom response um, in people coming, seeking asylum and seeking safety here. How to think, um, Stephen Gork Roger is one of my ex-pastors and he says how to think Christianly about it, how to think in a kingdom way about it. And um, how does this challenge fit into our church life as well? So we are called to love our neighbours and we're, we're, we're called to make disciples of all nations. Um, many of the prominent characters in the Bible um, were they themselves migrants or different types of refugees um, seeking safety in other places. I lived a lot of my years um, in a desert place and I know I've spent a lot of my years in the Old Testament looking at how God meets someone in the desert both um, physically and spiritually, and how to find him there in that place. Um, and when I'm looking at migration, um, this last week or so, I was thinking of David um, fleeing the violence of his ruler, King Saul, and seeking safety amongst the Philistines. I thought about Daniel, 
and his people being exiled from their homeland because of war and ending up serving a foreign government, not necessarily by choice. Even Jesus himself taken to Egypt as a child refugee um, to escape um, uh, potential genocide. Interestingly, when, when you put up your slidos and all the different reasons um, why you might leave your country, I was quite impressed, actually, because others migrate for other reasons, and we have other stories in the Bible. Abraham and his family leave their homeland at God's instruction and later cross borders again and again in search of food during times of famine and food shortage. Isaac and Jacob later move because of food shortages as well. Joseph was trafficked by his own brothers into slavery and forced labor. And generations later, Naomi and her family were motivated by food shortage to migrate to somewhere which was not very pleasant in their eyes and um, wasn't a, a place she would ever have thought of going to. And then when she came back, she was accompanied by Ruth, who came back as a foreigner. So when a foreigner resides among you in your land, don't mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you are foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And we read in Matthew 25, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. You looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. So these are challenging scriptures to us as we grapple with the needs of many in our locations. Um, sometimes that, that biblical mandate to welcome the stranger kind of looms over us and um, maybe we're not quite sure where to start. Just check the time. Just for a moment, talk to the person next to you. Have you welcomed any refugees or people seeking asylum into your church what are your experiences? I'm going to give you like a minute to have a little quick chat. Great. That was a quick minute. Thanks, everyone. Great. So how can your church join in with this welcome? Sharing teaching around the biblical mandate to welcome strangers and those seeking safety is something that you need to sow into your church congregation. So do, do think about that when you're thinking about what you're going to cover in the coming months. Do help your congregation understand and do unpack some of the hesitancies that people have. Don't be afraid of talking to people. I had someone recently um, in my church, well, not, about a year ago in my church, saying, well, I'm not sure about this refugee family. They don't really fit with us. 
Um, and that, yeah, there was some some reaction in my heart, but I thought, well, that's fine. I'm, I'm glad the person said that to me because I can start unpacking that question with you. That's an opportunity. Um, it, it's, you know, perhaps she's a little bit further away than other people in terms of thinking that issue through. And we need to help people think the issues through because a lot of the time we just get the information that comes through the media and through the TV and we haven't had someone unpack it for us and talk about it with us and present a biblical mandate. So I encourage you in that to do that. I also, of course, I can't stand here and not say, please join our network. Um, we would love, we have 26 vineyard churches in the network. We would love to have you all in the network. Um, some of you might be at the beginning of the journey saying, do you know, it is something that God's starting to speak to us about. Not sure where it's going to go. Can we join the network? Because then we can perhaps look at a bit of stuff online and get a bit of training and connect with you a little bit more. And perhaps we can have a phone call and um, we can chat it through. And we've got regional coordinators who can do that. We have Ali and others who are really experienced and will be able to help you. Um, or it might be that you're further along and you'll say, yeah, we could just do with a bit more training or, or it could be, you know, we're already doing this, in which case, please join the network and then refugees will be able to find you. They can self-refer and we're doing a lot of work with that, um, getting information about our network into asylum accommodation so that they're not waiting for someone to refer them, but they themselves can step forward and say, yes, please, I'd love some support locally. Do encourage your, your church to come to our training. We've got UK training. We've got training for if you're working in hotels that are accommodating asylum seekers. We've got lots of training to do with trauma. We've got training coming up soon to do with legal awareness, as I mentioned at the beginning. You could um, consider running one of our projects. So if you're a church, you think, well, I really, there's a couple of people who are involved, but I'd love to get more people trained. So we have a number of projects. One is Welcome Boxes and one is Welcome Holidays. Um, you can speak to us about opportunities and whether that would be the right thing for your church. So it's very much a conversation with us in terms of where you are and what you would like to do as a church. Um, we also have Refugee Week coming up in June, and we have some really good video footage um, championing um, churches that are involved and what they've been doing over the last year. Again, it's free. Sign up for it. Have a look at it if you like it. You can use it in your congregation as part of that conversation um, with your church members. I have a last video for you. Um, this one is from Grace Church in Bolton, and they are talking about our Welcome Boxes project. Hi, my name is Dave Krucek. I'm the leader at Grace Church Bolton. Uh, we've been involved in Welcome Churches for a, a couple of months now, not a long time at all, and with specifically with the Welcome Boxes projects, uh, and we initially undertook getting involved because we, we wanted to reach out to, to those in our community that are lonely, those that are um, secluded, those that are on, on the edge of things and maybe have just come into Bolton and don't have any contacts, they don't have any family, they don't have any friends uh, and we thought this was a great way for us to reach out into the community, a great way for us as a church to take God's heart for, for these people and go and meet them where they're at uh, and this provided a good platform for that with a, with a great link in with welcome churches and with the experience they've got and the expertise that they could bring 
and the insight that they could um, share with us and the things that we could learn from them and the things that they have already in place that we could um, implement into our location where we are here in Bolton. My name is Tazo, I'm one of the leaders here at Cross Church. So we, as a church, decided to join Welcome Boxes. Uh, I think mainly because, you know, our leadership is committed to hospitality, which is one of the tenets of the Christian faith. So when we get a referral, of course, we are, we quickly, we have to make contact with the person who has been referred to us, just to let them know that um, we are here and that very soon we'll be getting in touch with you. I think one of the beautiful things about being involved with Welcome Churches is that um, we get to display the glory of God even more as we come together as, as God's church, because God's church isn't all white, or God's church isn't all black, or God's church isn't all one colour, or all one nation, but his church is multicultural, it's multiracial, it's multilingual, uh, it's multi-everything, and um, we love to see that reflected in our gathered community here at Grace Church, even though over the last year we've not been able to gather um, as we might have wished to, um, we can still represent God's glory in, in all that we're doing. And it's been great to have the guys that we've made contact with recently um, come and start being part of us as Grace Church um, in person and online. Uh, and it's just brilliant to have different languages involved. It's great to um, get to know people's different backgrounds and their experiences and what they bring um, and what God has put in them and trying to bring that out of them as we meet and encourage one another. So I hope that was encouraging for you as well. It very much fits with the message of this morning that we just heard in the main session, actually. So Welcome Boxes is a little bit of a plug for it, and then I'm going to stop and I'm going to have a time of questions from you. Um, so Welcome Church is your... Your volunteers get to um, receive referrals of refugees. You work on that as a church, saying that we're, we're trained, we're ready to do that. And you will go out and say, we are the church, how can we help you? And you will continue to walk alongside that person, being the light of Christ in their lives. So you get training, you get support. We help you with building partnerships locally to get people referred to you as a church. You get to use our branding and our resources for that. We have resources in different languages that we can um, provide for you. And you will be visible on the network and on the welcomeboxes.org network for referrals. So if, if you'd like to be, get involved in that or find out more, do let us know. And that's a way that we're, we're very involved with churches who do that. We very much partner with you and help you do that. We also have welcome holidays, and I think that a lot of um, the vineyard churches are probably in larger centres, not necessarily in little villages, but um, when we say that every church can join in, this is a way that some churches, if you're in um, an, a location where there aren't a lot of refugees or asylum seekers, um, you can run a welcome holiday. You can run a short holiday with our support. Um, refugees from another network church come to your church and have the holiday that you've planned for them. 
you host the guests in your home and you plan the activities for them. Some things might just be free and just going for a walk. Other things you might, you might go somewhere together or look at something together. And you get a chance to join in with that welcome. You offer hospitality, you offer friendship, and you offer a few days away um, for refugees from another church. We piloted this at my previous church that was my sending church. And um, they took, um, in fact... Ali went on it as well, so you can ask him about it. But they went on a day trip to Oxford and they went, um, had a walk around Windsor and they had a walk around a local park and they had a barbecue, all very normal things. And uh, a group, in fact, someone from, someone from Cardiff Vineyard, <laughs> I have to mention them again, came on the welcome holiday um, as well. And so different ways of joining in. So I just encourage you um, to think, think about how might we be able to join in and is there a conversation that you'd like to have with us to say, this is our situation, what could we do or how could we join in a little bit more? What can you offer us? What support can you offer us? Can you do some training for us? These kinds of things. So I'd like to pause. I will invite Ali to come up as well. Oh, did I have another slide? There we go. I have another slide. Let me read it. Welcome boxes, welcome holidays we've spoken about. We do have um, training and help if you have asylum hotels nearby, if there are hotels supporting Afghans in your locality. Ali leads the support on that. We do have a lot of resources if you are hosting Ukrainians. We have a Ukrainian hub on our network that you can sign into if you're part of the network. There's training there and other types of resources. Um, a new thing that we're doing at the moment is linking with various councils about rehousing Ukrainians where their matched family doesn't work out. And we've already had a number of cases happening of that in my, in my location um, where the, the matched host hasn't worked out and councils are a bit on the hoof trying to find um, second accommodation and a second sponsor for them. And we're talking with councils about how churches in our network can sign up directly with them and do that. And same for providing housing for Afghan families. We're very concerned about people that are stuck in hotels. And again, we're talking with councils and we're talking with the Home Office about how our church network, which is all you guys, how we can be part of that and really growing confidence in us as a church network, as people who are trained and ready and equipped um, to help people with really good practice and in a really good way. So I'm going to pause and um, take any questions. If you have any. Yeah, so if, if you run welcome boxes, in the training we'll talk to you about what to put in the box. The box is very much... A visual hello, it's something that you're going to give on the first time. You, you put small things like shampoo and umbrellas and notebooks and all those kinds of things. Um, and then you work alongside the people you're welcoming. So it's much more than the box. Um, but yeah, we can, we can talk to you about that if you'd like to. Yeah. Actually, so we 
uh, started a project last year, as Sum mentioned, and that was the pilot project. And I think it went very well. And I was part of the project myself. And also, we had a family from uh, from Cardiff Vineyard as well, part of the project. It is just depending uh, depending on each area and how, for example, how many places that you can go for visits. We went to a place down in south, so it was near to. It was near to Oxford, it was near to Windsor, so we went one day to Oxford to see Oxford. Always, uh, Oxford is very interesting that always people say, I'm gonna go to Oxford University. And I went to Oxford, I was looking for a sign, where is Oxford University, where is Oxford University? <laughs> and I asked, where is Oxford University? Everybody wants to go to Oxford University and say, oh, this is Oxford University. Where is it? There wasn't any kind of building for Oxford University because the whole town, I think, is Oxford University <laughs> with the 44 colleges. So that is, yeah. It's, I think, a, a blessing for both the refugee that they are not able to go for the holidays and also for the, those uh, British people that they, they don't have the chance, actually, to, to see people from a different background. So they will have a chance to see people from a different background and also refugee have a chance to see, to see more about British culture, to learn about British culture, the food, the hospitality, uh, drinking tea, or <laughs> all these type of things that I'm not really uh, full aware of that ones, but I'm trying to learn about that. Yeah. No, oh, no. It, it could be it could be a long weekend, like for example, four days, five days. It's depending on each situation how you can actually manage it. The one that we went, it was I think four nights and five days. Yeah. Yeah, the one we ran was over a bank holiday weekend, and I think they had um, five host families and eleven people, which was what they felt was a good number for them for the first time they were running it. So it's really up to you, and it's a conversation between us and you in terms of who can host and how, how you're going to manage that as a church. Yeah. We've registered with the government to receive a Ukrainian refugee, um, but nothing's happening. Uh, is it better to take action oneself, and uh, if so, can you recommend the best procedure? Mm. Yeah, so um, Reset um, are the official matching um, organization. There's a, a long wait to be matched with a family. Um, some churches have um, become part of local groups that know someone and are able to bring people in and match them up. It really depends on what you want to do. It depends whether you want to wait and go through reset or whether you say, well, this here's a group locally and they've got some contacts and they're bringing people in and it looks like a good way to do it. Let's Let's join that local group and see what they're doing. Yeah. I think the other, some of the other Facebook groups, it certainly in the beginning were very chaotic and everyone was posting pictures of themselves and their children and it was not a good situation. But I think there are some, certainly around by me, there are local groups that have really established themselves and they're doing it in a very thoughtful way. So you could go that route if you want to. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. oh, sorry. Yeah, 
Yeah, we did. So it, it's a whole planned project from our side in terms of we get references from the church that's sending the guests. So we get references for the guests. We have some guidelines as well for who might be suitable to come on a holiday. They have to have been here six months so that someone knows them and, and feels they can say this person would cope with coming and staying with a family and being in a different situation. And then we do DBS and references for all the hosts as well. And then we have training for the coordinator from the church. And then later on, nearer the holiday, we have a training for everyone who's either hosting or being involved in the activities as well. And we have a quick debrief for the people coming on the holiday as well um, to answer any of their questions and to just, um, yeah, just kind of prepare them a little bit um, for the holiday. I think some of it, um, that's a big question. I think some of it depends on the council and I think some councils are doing a good job. Um, so in Buckinghamshire, um, the council put on a training which we actually took, so I'm talking about my own training here, but um, they, they wanted um, 200 people in Buckinghamshire who'd signed up to be hosts to get some training. And so they paid for that and, and invited all of the hosts to come and have some initial training, which I think was really good. So I think it really depends on the council. Um, whether or not they prepare people well or whether or not they're offering any kind of um, yeah, training or preparation for hosting someone who's come out of a, of a war. Um, so I, th I think it does depend. And I think also perhaps in the past, people who've hosted have gone through organisations like Refugees at Home and had a little bit more preparation. Um, we are offering um, training that you can come to. So if people in your church have signed up, we'd love you to come to that and it will give them things to think through and things you can talk together perhaps in your church if different people have signed up as well. Yeah. Ooh, yes. Great. Probably we need a phone call. Yeah. So there's some training that if you're part of the network, you can access it straight away. Like the trauma awareness, you can sign in, you can give other people in your church a sign in, and you can all go and watch it together or watch it separately and talk about it, that kind of thing. There are other trainings that we run from time to time um, that we have. There are some in our back pocket that if churches ask for them and there's a reasonable number, we will run it for you. We, we really want to um, equip people and so we're also quite agile as a team and respond when when you ask us for different things um, we can adapt training or uh, yeah offer that to you there was someone just behind you somewhere yes that would be great that would be great um, probably we would say joining the network is a good first step 
because then you can access the resources and have a look at that and then come through to us and chat with one of the regional coordinators or chat with me about it. Yeah. Over this side. No. People just fidgeting, maybe. <laughs> great. That's great. Do you want to close yeah, up? Yeah. Or? Thanks, Alan. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Alan. Okay. Thank you. So, thank you so much for all of that. Where shall I stand? Turn this one off. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Thank you so much for that. There's also the Sanctuary Foundation. Um, which is another pie that Chris has his fingers in. Um, and um, so if you want to find out more about hosting Ukrainian refugees, there's the Sanctuary Foundation as well. Um, so you and Ali are going to be around for a few more minutes, aren't you? So if you want to come and have a chat with them and or to sign up for, for Welcome Churches, and then we have our missions lunch tomorrow, you can come and see me down the end, the front here, and sign up for that as well. Um, also, we have Sam Miller, who's going to be speaking in the auditorium, I think, at 330 on persecuted church and open doors and stuff like that. So if you've got a real heart for missions and you want to kind of do the whole afternoon on missions, then you go from this to Sam. But thank you so much, Sue and Ali. Thanks.